Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Church, open your Bibles, would you, to a couple places. We're going to start in Daniel chapter 3. We'll go from Daniel to 2 Corinthians. So we'll be in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In a Bible study that I've entitled, No Trial is Ever Wasted. And I began to think of other titles that could have been. I mean, another title could be, We Might Waste Trials, But God Never Does. And it's true. We may fail to see the significance of what God's doing in our present circumstance, but God never does. He is working out a perfect plan for your life and mine, and he's using the difficulty that's in your life today. I mean, as we step back and we review our previous year and look at our world or look at the church at large, and even this church in particular, it's been a very difficult year. Anyone amen that? It's been a very unusual, difficult, challenging year on many different levels. I mean, let's separate right now just the fact of COVID, restrictions, masks, anger, elections, the racial tensions. I mean, that, those hit boom, 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 boom all year. But even if we set those aside, for some among us experience the pain of divorce. Others among us experience the pain of being in a difficult marriage, uh, the pain of being single perhaps, the pain of losing a loved one, losing a job, losing a business. For some, you are facing a medical condition. Even as I prayed with a sister, her dad's in the ICU right now. I mean, pain is among us, and it's always among us. Pain and problems come to us all, believer and unbeliever alike. That's the truth and reality. And even as all of the things that we normally experience, and even that's even hard to use that word normal because trials have an abnormality about them too. Like they're, 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 there's the normal part of it and then it's like, man, I've never experienced this before. You add to that all of the other things that you've faced this year with a virus, with fear, with anxiety, with isolation, with loneliness, with an election, with division, with just all these unusual pressed upon us trials. And some of us have faced them alone. I know that many of you are still online and you're facing these things alone and you're isolated. I mean, I know that I've been on the phone with quite a few people in the last few months. It's very hard to talk to someone on the phone who just begins to weep because they, ha they can't come back. Not, not that they, you know, a lot of people are choosing not to come back for a variety of reasons, but some people just, because of their condition, just can't come back right now. If they were to contract this virus or even another type of cold or flu, it could be very detrimental to their health. And so they're just at a place right now where they're at home and, they're, and that, that's, that's a difficult place to be. For a couple days, for a couple weeks, for a couple months, for some almost a year. But also, we not only deal with them individually, but because we're a part of the living body of Christ, we share these things together. Our lives are intertwined. 
Whether we see it or not, we are interconnected. You know, the things that we face, we're human beings, men and women. We're not just, you know, we're not just men and women going through the motions. We're men and women with emotion. And we feel the full weight of the particular thing that you're going through. Now, you may not feel the full weight of what's the person next to you or the person across from you, or, but you feel the full weight of what you're presently going through. You're not a machine. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This isn't the key club or the Kiwanis club. It's not a social gathering. This is the church of Jesus Christ. He invented it. He designed us to be together, to be a body. Where the Bible describes us like the human body. The Bible describes us like a family being adopted into the family of God. And we're a family in every sense of that word. We've got the good parts of family and the hard parts of family and everything in between. And we're a body. There are those of us that are mouths, those of us that are ears, hands, feet. We're connected and our lives intertwine. And trials, they have a way of establishing us in our faith. They have a way of revealing things to us. You know, we have a hard time admitting our pride and our arrogance until a trial comes and reveals it. And usually what happens is, is a trial reveals things to others first. (laughs) They see it in us first. And then we begin to go along and say, yes, Lord, I see. I've been hanging on to this, or I've been upset about that, or I've been, and and you begin, they reveal. You know, we think that in the midst of a trial that it's going to destroy us. You just feel overwhelmed. You know, and and the language you can start listening for is like, you know, I just, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. This isn't, I'm just not going to get through this. I don't think I can make it. And and then you start getting thoughts of quitting, and you start getting thoughts of running away. And maybe even some today, a word from the Lord, you're even beginning to think about suicide, the ultimate way of just running away. And the Lord wants to affirm to you today his love for you, that your life is valuable. And that is a very bad decision to make. Don't make, talk to somebody, please. If you want to talk anonymously, there are suicide hotlines that you can Google. If you want to come and talk to a pastor, we'll serve you, we'll encourage you. I know it feels deep and dark and very hard right now, but it'll pass. It'll get better. I mean, the whole thing may not be solved, but it'll get better. And you just know when you're ready to throw in the towel, that you think that the trial is just going to destroy you, but But the trial wasn't designed to destroy you. What the trial is doing is destroying your dependence upon yourself. Or what the Bible may describe as your flesh. You never really know how much you depend upon yourself until you're forced to to realize and to begin to see that your resources are very meager. You don't really have much to lean on. I know we think we do. We look at kind of our, we look at our possessions, at our bank account, at our savings account. We look at our education, our experience, until, until they're of no help to us in the midst of a difficult trial. And then what are you going to lean on? Well, the Lord's wanting to show you that it's not your opinion. It's not your attitude. It's not what you see. God wants you to lean upon him. And we find this in at least two places very profoundly in the scriptures. The first one is in Daniel chapter three. These three young men that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been asked and demanded that they bow down to an image, a pagan image of Nebuchadnezzar, and they refuse. And the world leader of the day, 
the world leader, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, threatens to throw them in a fiery furnace. And this is their response in verse 16. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. It is, if that is the case, and that's if you throw us in, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And I love that. The, these young men are just like standing before the world ruler and going, look, you do with us whatever you want. But we serve a God that's able to deliver us. And you know what? He will deliver us. You, Nebuchadnezzar, you do not have the final word in our lives. God has the final word. And I mean, such encouragement. I mean, if we were making a movie of this, we were making a cheesy Christian movie to put on television on this, we would have, everything would go dark around them, the flames would be behind them, lights would shine on these kids, they're standing up to Nebuchadnezzar, the music would change, and then everything would end happily ever after because God rewarded these young men and their stand for righteousness with deliverance. But then you'd have to read the Bible and find out that there's more to the story how are they rewarded for this? Notice verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship the gold image which you've set up. So if God delivers us, great. If he doesn't, great. We're not bowing down. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So things didn't get better for them. It got worse. Seven times. They weren't just going into the fiery furnace. Now things were going to get seven times hotter. You know that happens in life, right? Things don't always get easy. You can do all the right things. I remember a season uh, in my life where I was battling with God, prayer, and I was just like, you know, Lord, I've served you. Uh, I just started to examine my life, kind of like Job, you know, real self-righteously. It's hard to for someone to tell you that when you're in pain and hurting, but that's exactly what it was. And it's like, Lord, I've served you, given, and this is the reward. This is what, and it's like the Lord going, yeah, it's, and it's going to get seven times hotter because life is hard. Nobody's promised to avoid pain and problems. Nobody. And you ask that question. I was talking to a brother after service, and you ask that question. You're like, you, you, you're like, when you come to God like that, it's almost like you're saying, you know, why am I going through this? Because look at my life, God. Why don't you give it to so-and-so? <laughs> why don't you let so-and-so go through it? Why don't you let that guy go through it? Why, why doesn't she ever face problems? And the psalmist had the same thing. If you read through the psalms, he's like, what's going on with my life? Let them deal. Send it to them. Remember what David said? What did he say? He said, break their teeth. That's a great prayer. <laughs> break their teeth, God. And the Lord reminded me all throughout his scriptures, hey, sometimes it gets worse, not better. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Don't let the faith in God be shaken, thinking that, well, Ed, I've done everything that I possibly could, and it's gotten worse. I know that's what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and it's normal. That's actually normal. It's not unusual. Notice what it says. The com he commanded, verse 20, certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. 
Then these men were bound in their coats and trousers, their turbans, their outer garments, and the, cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, verse 22, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, didn't we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now listen, church, you need to understand how God operates in the fires of life especially as they're turned up around us, especially when they're seven times hotter, when things are getting more difficult and not less difficult. When you cry out to God, listen, sometimes God does deliver you out of the trial. I mean, that's your prayer. Who, who doesn't pray like that? I can think of all the prayer meetings I've ever been in, all the times we've gathered together on Wednesdays, all the times I prayed. I, I can't in my mind think of anyone ever praying, God, thank you for the trial. Can you keep it going for the next five years? Please let it go for another 10 years. Make it harder, God. Seven times. I've, I have you guys heard anybody? I've never. And if you pray like that, stop it. <laughs> you can pray to be delivered. It could be God's will to deliver you out of the, sometimes he does. And just boom, it's done. He's like, okay, Lord, thank you. I praise you. I think of all the prayers of those that are in jail right now, listening to us on the radio. And you're just like, God, when I get out, when I get out, get me out early. When I get out, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give you my life. Keep that promise because God is going to get you out. You will come out and God will use you. No, our prayers are not keep the trial coming. Our prayers are deliver us, and sometimes he does. But you know, most often, God, he doesn't deliver us from the trial. He doesn't take us out of the trial. You know, most of the time what he does, he delivers us through the trial. He lets us feel the full weight, sometimes even seven times hotter. And that's really the sum and substance of why we put, I put this book together, why I wrote this book for you. And for us, it was seven times hotter. And it's still very hot in my life. Still things related to my son, still very hot. Still very hard. And yet God is faithful. He's able to take you through. You aren't ruined. If you're ruined for anything, you're ruined for the ordinary. God taking you to extraordinary lengths to know. I think back, it caused me to really think back in my own life. As I think of the uh, of this particular trial, the, you know, the greatest trial of our lives, seven and a half years. I've, I've looked at my life and, and I, I look back and I can say sincerely to you that I've always had an attraction to the down and out and to the hurting in the church. That's just always, that's where I came from. And it just seems that, that God has always given me an empathetic, compassionate ear and life to those. And that just seems to be the people that God had called me to serve and, and California and here it's been glorious. And then, then after this big trial hit, God opened up a whole new channel of compassion, empathy that I've never experienced before in my life. And it made me start thinking, well, why wasn't I that empathetic before? Why didn't I care like this before? Like, why, why didn't I, what, what was wrong with me that I didn't have this depth of concern or care like I do now? 
And, and the Lord was just saying, look, Ed, I just take you from glory to glory and strength to strength. You would never have had that understanding unless you went through it. You see, God is not going to waste what you're going through. You would never have the perspective on life that you have today had you not experienced what you're experiencing, church. As hard as it is, he's going to make you more usable, not less usable for him, if you'll yield to him. If you'll take his help. If you hold on to hope. These guys, they get thrown into the fiery furnace as a reward for their faithfulness to God, their obedience to God. And what happens? Now, I developed this. I'm not going to develop this now and go in depth to it because I did this when we went verse by verse through Daniel. So you can go online or go to our app. You can listen to the study of what happens in the fires of life. Uh, you know, first thing I noticed in verse 25 is, is that in the fires of life, the Lord shows up, right? He went down three, but there's four there now. And even, even this pagan king that doesn't care a thing about God can see the supernatural, do you know people around you, they don't care about God. They don't want anything to do with God. They could be really radically anti-God. But let me tell you something. When the Lord shows up, they see it. They see it. They see when you are clinging to God. They see when you are filled with hope. And they also see when you're a complainer. And they also see when you don't have faith. And listen, it's just worth it to surrender your life to Him. Because it's not just for you. It'll start the healing process a lot faster, but it's also for the people around you. Nebuchadnezzar saw this. This is another part of the story altogether. But I want you to see what the fires of life did to these men. And the Bible is very clear. Four times it says they were bound. Did you notice that? Notice in verse 20. They, in verse 20, they were bound ordered to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 21, the men were bound. And then it says down in verse 23, these three men fell down bound into the midst of the fire. Verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar was astounded saying, didn't we cast these men bound? They were tied up. Whatever that looks like. Maybe they were tied up with their arms like this. I kind of get the picture of their hands being tied up and their feet being tied up because that's what trials do. They bind you up and you're bound up with yourself. And, and things just, they just constrict us. And, and how is it, how can we not see that with the current way the government's treating the world? And, you know, a lot of people aren't happy about face coverings. A lot of people aren't happy about things being closed. And there's good reason not to be happy about that. But you feel bound. Well, you're not the first person to be bound. You're not the last person to be bound. These young men were bound in a very real way. And they were cast into the fire bound. And how many of us, we get bound up with our attitudes. And we get bound up with our opinions. We get bound up with problems. And we're just bound, man. But in verse 25, at the end, it says, I see four men. What does your Bible say? What does it say? Read it out loud. I see four men loose. What? They went in bound four times. But then in one verse, they're loose. What happened? Something happened in the fire, man. Now, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Could it be the son of God comes in and he's, oh, let me untie you guys. You know, he's untying them. We don't know. Or could it be that the flames, literally the flames that killed the guys, that threw them in, the flames, the fire that was intended to destroy them, 
take them out, only destroyed the bonds that were holding them captive. They went into the trial in captivity and they came out of it loose. And it's true for you, follower of God, man or woman of the new covenant. How much more in Christ? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the hotter the trial, they learned, the hotter the trial, the greater the freedom. The hotter the trial. When these three Hebrew men were thrown into the fiery furnace, their skin didn't burn, their hair wasn't singed, their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Do you guys remember when they let smoking happen in restaurants? Do you guys remember that? Yes? No? Hello? Remember? They used to smoke in restaurants. Remember going to Village Inn? There was layer after layer. I mean, even the waitress had a cigarette in her mouth. And when you came in and you could, you go to breakfast at Village Inn, you couldn't even leave Village Inn without smelling like smoke. But these guys, they're thrown in the fiery furnace. The fire doesn't touch them. They don't even smell like smoke. The only thing that happened to them in the fiery furnace is that they met the Lord and they were loosed. And that's the work that God wants to do in your life. He wants to give you freedom. You're not bound by circumstances. You're bound by your love of God and his love for you. Why do we love God anyway, the Bible says? We love him. Why? He first loved us. Well, you know, Paul faced great problems and difficulties in his life. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I get a little excited because as I share this, I get to share it from a personal perspective. I get to share it from, yeah, I know dark days. And I know not all my dark days are behind me either. I know that things are up ahead and there's warfare and there's difficulty, of course. But serving God is worth it, church. Surrendering your life is worth it. You're not wasting a moment of your time serving the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him. Paul is a great example of that. Just a guy. As a matter of fact, a guy that didn't love God. And he says this, after he gets saved, he says in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 15, he says, for all these things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, what Paul's saying is everything I've ever gone through in life is for you, church, I've had a lot of difficult times. It says in verse 11, we who live always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Like he faced death, difficulty. He had people following him, undermining him, lying about him, going into churches after he would leave and saying, that guy's a liar. He doesn't tell you the truth. He's not and, and they would just try to undermine everything that Paul did. And Paul said, look, I've gone through so much, but it's for you. And I look at my own life in a very small way. I mean, I just, in who I am and what God's made me, that the things that we've gone through have been for you. That, that God has been able to take his Bible and make it come alive so that you can trust him more. And you can get through the next moment, in the next day, in the next week, where it's not Ed standing, it's not Marie standing, it's not you standing, it's we're standing. Because we're a family. We're going to get through this together, whatever it might be. We're going to encourage one another, and we're going to pray for one another, and we're going to strengthen one another. So he says, this all this is for you. And so because of that, he says in verse 16, therefore, we don't lose heart. We just know God's at work. We don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, and you can say amen to that, anybody? Your outward man perishing? 
you young people go, oh, no, Ed, I'm just starting out. No, you're perishing too. It's going to happen faster. You're always going to think you're young, but your body's going to remind you you're not. No amens for that. It's just Ed, huh? You guys, like, you're so quiet. Are you guys with me? I can hear the people on the radio louder than you yelling in their cars. The outward man is perishing. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. The Lord is just strengthening us. But you got to cooperate, church. It's not going to happen by accident. The inward man, the inward woman being strengthened is direct, re, directly related to your worship life, to your devotion to God, your time in the word, your time in prayer. Because when you, when you are, are experiencing that inward strength, notice in verse 17, you begin to look at your afflictions and say, well, my light affliction for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. How do you know it's for a moment? Because you're looking at things eternal. He says, it's just for a moment. It's working for us. Your trial's not working against you. It's loosening bounds, giving you freedom, bringing you into a fullness of relationship, as we'll see in a moment. It's a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Can I just say, church, looking at the things in this world, the worldview, the way the world sees them, you will do yourself 100% good if you will just watch less news. Just watch less news. They're not giving you any good news. They're not giving you any context. Even if there is good news, they're going to twist it around. Oh no, oh no, oh no. But what do you expect? They have no hope. There's no hope. There's no eternal. It's all now. It's all for now. But the Bible says now is just temporary. We're going to get through now. We have eternity to wait for. But I'm telling you, you watch the news and you just get angry. You get frustrated. You know, some of you start yelling at the t TV. Oh, I got to it. Like they can hear you. They can't hear you. <laughs> and even if they could, they don't care. You got to get your eyes on the Lord. Stop working at the things that are temporary. They're just messing you up. Delaying your growth, stunting your spiritual growth. Oh, I'm not saying pull out of the world. I know the news. I mean, I live in this world. I teach the Bible. I want it to be relevant. I just choose the way I receive it. That's all. I read it because then I can pause on a word. I can pause the way that I'm like, oh, this isn't the truth at all. It's just a use of the words and twisting this around. And it's like, no way. I'm starting my day with the word. I'm ending my day with the word so that when I'm dreaming, I'm in a dream about the word of God and allow him to encourage me. We have to deal with enough stuff that discourages us. We need to keep our eyes on eternity because suffering and difficulty so quickly take them off. So notice now, finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, just one little episode in the life of Paul and I want to draw your attention to. You know, Paul went through so many things. People issues, lies, gossip, rumors, people following him around, trying to kill him, like all of that. All, I mean, that was his daily life. Just like Jesus, just like Jesus promised him on the road to, him, uh, to Damascus. He said, you, I'm going to show Paul how much he's going to suffer for my sake. So it's nothing new. But on top of everything he went through, he also had a medical issue. This thorn in his flesh, you might have heard it said. Let's read about it here in verse 7 of chapter 12. Lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. 
Concerning this thing, verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Again, that prayer of, get me out of this, get me out of this, take this thorn away. The answer in verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul's conclusion was, most gladly I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul does exactly what you would do, what I would do. Take this thorn away. And we have up to at least three times he did this, and then God gave him the answer. And the answer wasn't what he asked for. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You would think their request, protect them from Nebuchadnezzar. No, it was seven times hotter and they were thrown in anyways. For Paul, he lived with this the rest of his life on top of everything else. But God did give him his answer. His answer was, Paul, I'm not going to take it away. That's my paraphrase. You're going to live with it. But as you live with it, you're going to learn, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to learn about grace in a way, Paul, you wouldn't learn any other way. And I've learned about the faithfulness of God through trials and tribulations. Uh, You know, I read a lot. I read two or three books a week. I read a lot. And I listen to a lot of Bible studies. I love the Word of God. I love to be taught the Word of God. I I listen to a lot of Bible studies every week. But I've learned more on certain things through the trials of life than I have in books that I've read. I'd much rather read a book and learn it, you know? (laughs) I'd not just, give me the book. I'll read the book. Give me the CD set. Give me the, tell me what app to download. I'm in. And God says, oh, that's all good for you, Ed, but I'm going to show you something that you can learn no other way. And it's going to be through that trial. Yeah, but Lord, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. No, Ed. No, Paul. You're going to learn something that's going to be with you the rest of your life. You think the thorn is going to be with you the rest of your life, but actually the lesson is going to be with you the rest of your life. And it's this. You are the strongest spiritually when you are the weakest physically. You have the fullness of freedom when you recognize that in weakness, that's the best position for you and for me. I like how John Corson summarizes. Let me read the paragraph to you. So powerful. I love how he puts it. He says, in summarizing this answer, and I quote, the father says, you want me to take away the pain to solve the problem to get you out of the situation. But that's not what you need. You need me. And the very problem you're seeking to get away from, the very situation you desire to get out of, is the very one that's causing you to talk to me, spend time with me, depend upon me. You'll be stronger when you're weak because you'll have no other choice than to draw strength from me. You'll do better when you're weak because you'll have to rely upon me. End quote. The very thing you want to get out from under is the very thing that God's going to use in your life to draw in a deeper relationship. And it's not going to come from reading a book. It's not going to come from being in a Bible study. It's not going to come from downloading an app. It's going to come from the Lord himself using your trial. Why? We may waste our trials. God will never waste our trial. Never, ever, never. He will always use it. And that was the conclusion. The conclusion Paul was, okay, 
And he's writing after the fact. He's not writing real time. So it does take time to learn this stuff. He's writing after the fact. When he looks back on it to the church in Corinth and he says, you know what I learned? I learned to embrace my infirmities. I learned to be thankful for them. I learned that each trial in my life made me a better person, made me a a better pastor, made me a better friend. I learned over that I'm going to boast in these things now. I'm not going to boast in my revelation. I'm not going to boast in what all the things I've been able. I'm going to boast in the times when I was weakest because that's when God was strongest. Here's the thing as we close. You have to understand that weakness brings God's strength. Wherever we feel that we're strong, and we think we can handle it, and we think we don't need help, where we believe we're capable to face what's before us, that's the area where you are most apt to stumble, the place where you think you're the strongest. That's the place where you will trip and fall because you're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your own abilities, your own power. And no matter how strong you may be today, how smart you might be, how much money you have, how much education you've been able to get. It doesn't matter what position of strength you are today. One day, you're going to face something that's bigger than you and beyond your ability. And you're going to turn to those familiar things that many times the Bible describes as the flesh, things you've been trusting, things you've been relying on, things that you have given you comfort, and they're not going to help you. They're not going to deliver you. If you're that kind of person that is very self-confident, very capable, when you come up against a thing where you're you're not able to handle it, it destroys you. It devastates you. But if you're in the areas of your weakness and humility, even as we were, how, how would we know how long of a trial we'd be in this year we're all kind of excited that, that 2020 is behind us, but there's still a couple more weeks. Don't, worry, don't forget that. And we don't know what the Lord will bring. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And we can't even trust in a calendar changing. We trust in the Lord. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is or what year it is. God doesn't measure the way we measure. And we can't just trust, well, oh, I can't wait for this year to get behind us. Well, you know, in a way I get it. I, I, don't, I, I don't want this year to last any longer than it is either. But my hope is in the Lord, not in a calendar. My hope is in his faithfulness. My hope is actually, how would we ever known? I didn't know when we were praying about kind of laying out this year that humility would be such a big part of what God is asking from us during this season. Humility. To humble ourselves. Especially as things go on and on and we don't like it and it's hard and it's getting harder. That right response is to die to ourselves. And to remain humble. Because in your weakness, God has made strong. He shows himself strong in your weakness. When you come up and you go, I just have to trust God in this. You don't try to get out of it. You don't try to squeeze by. You don't try to assert some, you know, even just kind of, my opinion kind of gives you the air of control. Your opinion doesn't give you control over the situation. You got to trust in the Lord. Draw strength from him. In those areas, his strength is made perfect. Then you're able to stand. Then you're able to be strong. And you can go through in a place of humility and weakness. Listen, church, you can go through things that you never dreamed that you could go through. 
never dreamed that you would ever face. And God will get you through it. Why? Because what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so come to him today with weakness and leave here today knowing that God has help for your troubled heart. I believe that with all my being. I know he's faithful. I know it biblically and I can teach it with the authority of God's word and I do. But I also know it personally. My own personal experience that backs up and solidifies my testimony is a testimony of God's faithfulness, not mine. And that I found my, the place of strength in my life is a choice of weakness and surrender and submission. You know, as we say, it's even when Pastor Ian asks us to raise our hands, it's like we just throw our hands up and worship and surrender. And that's what the Lord is calling. I know it's hard. And I know it's difficult and maybe seven times hotter. And I'm sorry. I wish it was easier for you. You can't undo the pain of divorce. You can't undo the wickedness of abuse. It's hard. You know, even if we didn't have a hard year, many of you would still have a hard year. And it's just made things more difficult. And the Lord's just calling us into a deeper sense of surrender and love. The world, I've said this before, the world is the world, man. What do you expect? This is the world. And just let the world be the world. They're going to act like they don't know God. They're going to live like they know God. They're going to say like, that's the world. And we just got to let the world be the world. But you are the church and you must choose to be the church in a world that doesn't know God. And it's not a, it's not like a legalistic rule, like do this and do that. It's the privilege. It's the privilege of just knowing God and making him known in the world around you. And sometimes the spotlight comes on your life and mine through pain. And that's just what it is. God highlighting you and his faithfulness in your life through the pain. So let's pray. Father, I ask for your spirit to minister your word to us as we assess the difficulties and things that we're facing. I know there's a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty in this room. And I pray, God, that you would um, show yourself strong here. I pray, God, that you would have your way among us and minister comfort and encouragement to your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.